Welcome to the History of Software podcast. My name is Padre Coffey. I'm the CEO of Zartis. And this week, we're going to explore the history of software architecture. And we are joined by Andre Neubauer, who's CTO at the German fintech company Smava. How are you doing today, Andre? I'm doing great. Thanks. Excellent. So as I mentioned, we're going to explore the history of software architecture. And probably a good starting point is if we if we come to some form of definition. So Andre, could you help us with this definition? To come up with a good definition uh, for software architecture is quite hard. Actually, I, I spent uh, some time, or luckily I spent some time, uh, I don't know, one or two years ago when I prepared a uh, presentation, I found a couple of different definitions. I think the one which we probably all agree is, um, is, is, is part of the IEEE standard architecture is the highest level concept of a system and its environment. The architecture of a software system at a given point of time is its organization or structure of significant components interacting through interfaces, those components being composed of smaller components and interfaces. I think that somehow nails it, right? But on the other, on the other side, it's also quite complicated. Uh, so when I prepared uh, the, the talk or the presentation, I was looking. I was also looking for different different definitions. Uh, so actually, shorter ones, and I found a couple of them. Um, so the one I really liked, well, let's say there are three. There are three I really liked, um, and one is from Martin Fowler. Of, uh, I guess everyone knows him. He said architecture is about the important stuff, whatever that is. I think that that's great, right? And uh, from Neil Ford, there's also an, an, a good one. Uh, he said, uh, architecture is the stuff that's hard to change later. I, I think that's true. And um, there's also finally uh, one by Ralph Johnson, who said, who said um, architecture is the shared understanding that the expert developers have of a system design. I think they all somehow, I'd say, the, the one from Marty Fowler, I think that's the most general one, right? So it's covering actually everything, right? You can, it's it's up to you what you understand about architecture. But the other definitions care a lot about the technical aspects. Um, I think that's, that's also fine. It should be, let's say, the main focus. Uh, however, I think that also changed during the last, let's say, centuries. So how would you say that definition has changed over the years? First of all, I think um, how architecture was applied or got applied to software projects that changed uh, dramatically over the, especially during the last century. At least my perception when I started uh, with mm -hmm. software engineering was that software architecture uh, got applied quite early in the process, right? It was really a big upfront uh, design. Um, so actually the idea was to outline a complete plan um, and hopefully uh, foresee all necessary decisions which has to be taken during the project. I think that that changed quite dramatically, right? So now it's more or less uh, integral part of the software engineering process. Uh, so that, that definitely changed. Um, and on the other side, for me, architecture at the end, so the purpose of architecture 
is uh, at the end about quality, right? You want to make sure that your system is scalable. You want to make sure it's adaptable. Uh, performance should be right and so on and so on, things like that. Um, but if you keep in mind uh, that those aspects are not only influenced um, by the architecture, um, I think it's also fine that the definition of architecture became a bit larger during the during the last during the last years, right? It's now also focusing on organization design, development process. That's very interesting, Andre. Do you think that changes in software development methodologies have had a significant impact on the definition of software architecture? I think the other way around, right? Um, there is, um, I think the, the, the purpose uh, of modern software development processes is, is coming from an, an outside trigger, uh, meaning the requirements on software changed changed during the last years, right? Uh, well, we joined the the age of uh, of, of information, right? Um, so where it's not anymore about uh, economy of scale, but economy of speed, right? So you need to be faster, you need to deliver faster, you need uh, need to be way more flexible. And uh, that being said, I think the reaction to it is. Uh, is uh, having different and having a different approach on software development and therefore also software architecture, right? So if you keep in mind that back then software architecture was actually more mainly part uh, of the beginning of the development process, now it's more or less integral part of the of the of the entire development cycle, right? It's also not anymore the case that. Let's say that people are sitting in their or software architecture, are sitting in their ivory tower and thinking about how to design software. It's more or less, I wouldn't call it hands-on, but down to earth, right? So you really need to understand the business requirements and also how people are implementing it. So it's also not the case that we're talking about over-engineering, at least not that much, right? It's more or less really focus on delivering something. I think that 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 changed and therefore, so uh, long story short, I think uh, that's just a reaction of an external effect. That's very interesting. I, I do have a question in relation to cultural context. So do you have a sense that software architecture means the same thing globally in this day and age or in a German organization, could the definition and, uh, of architecture be different to that in a US organization, for example? I think it's totally different, right? It's, it's so, especially if you uh, keep in mind how this applies. I think definition is maybe the same, maybe put it differently. Definition is, is, is probably the same, but how you apply this to your product, uh, to, your, um, to your software development uh, project, that's different, right? So um, I think you can maybe not, yeah, it's probably you can achieve the same thing uh, by taking different ways and the way you approach this in a German company is probably different than in a US company or in an Indian company, right? So that for sure. Very interesting. What do you think caused software architecture practices to evolve over the years? Was it driven by technology? Was it more driven by business considerations, market driven? What's your sense on this? For me, uh, probably a bit of everything but 
just for me, I think the, the most impact is coming through the economy and how the economy changed. And as I just already pointed out, um, I think we are, we are now in the, uh, in, in the information age, which is totally different from, from the age before, right? So the industrial age. Um, and if you look at the demands on the economy side, right, it's totally different, right? So we're talking about discontinuous change, short product life cycles, uh, price declines, um, I don't know, um, little, uh, little customer loyalty. Um, so that's, that's a totally different game, right? So you need to adapt, uh, to adapt this to your internal processes, to your understanding of architecture and so on and so on. Um, and so I would say um, the classic way we, how we approached uh, software architecture to, to software project, it's, it's just not working anymore. Uh, as, especially if you keep in mind, um, I, w I call this always this, uh, or actually it's not for me, but I like this, I like this picture, the, the window of opportunities, right? So you're, you're standing now and there is, if you look ahead, there are so many opportunities. And back then it was really easy to foresee, or at least we thought it was really easy to foresee what we're going to do, right? So in the industrial age, software was more or less uh, there to, to automate processes. Today, you really want to deliver value for, for the customer, right? And actually you don't know how the customer will behave, uh, what the market, where the market is going to be and so on and so on. So there are a lot of opportunities and actually you cannot think of them all um, in, in the very beginning. So you need to be flexible. Um, and I think that that caused a dramatic change in, on, on our understanding how we, how we do software architecture, but also how we do software development. Very good. So I guess in this podcast, one thing we like to do is we like to look at the, the events. We like to look at the technological breakthroughs, but we also like to look at the, the pioneers and the people that really fostered that change. Who for you are the, the main pioneers in the field of software architecture and what would you consider their impact to be? Um, there are a couple of people um, who I admire for their work in the field of software architecture. Um, these are probably not pioneers, uh, but it had a larger impact on, especially for me, uh, on, 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 the, on the later change. So uh, the change towards a more uh, customer-driven approach, right? Really being able to adapt to new situations. Uh, and I guess well-known is, is, is Martin Fowler. Uh, I, I, I think I don't need to introduce him. Um, I also admire uh, Neil Ford, right? So he actually, he's the one who, who brought up uh, the topic evolving architecture and emergent design. I think that's very, very important to organization, or at least it should be. Um, on, in, in, on the German side, uh, I, would, uh, I would admire uh, Stefan Tilkov, right? For his work on, on REST and especially uh, self-contained system. So I had, I had the honor to work with him some years ago and we really discussed this topic, uh, um, microservices, how we should apply this to existing uh, architects and, and so on and so on. And uh, one day he came up with the idea of self-contained system. Um, and, and same uh, to Eberhard Wolf, I think he, he, he is doing a great job, right? Sharing his experience and uh, his thoughts, um, how to how to 
evolve architecture. And in terms of how how technology professionals should be thinking about architecture today, um, where do you think you are and where do you think we are today and where do you think you know the, the field is going to go next? As I said, it's for me, the, the roles are not such distinguished anymore, right? So the role on the one side, uh, software architect, and on the other side, software engineer. Actually, I also like the term software engineer rather than software development uh, developer because it shows that you're really building something, right? And and if you keep in mind, for sure, um, the, let's say, product cycles, they, they, are, they, they are so fast. However, the entire infrastructure behind this needs to stay actually sometimes also for, for, for really centuries. So you really need to make sure that everyone in the organization, everyone in the tech organization has at least, has at least a certain understanding of software architecture. Um, probably everyone on a different level, right? So I think it really depends on the organization, but sometimes really makes sense to have someone um, who's taking care of the overall architecture, right? System architecture. But if you go down to the development teams, I think everyone should have an understanding of of application architecture um, and software design for sure. One thing which is always coming to my mind in, in, in this discussion is, um, very, very important is that people are leaving the company, uh, but software stays. So you should always keep in mind that uh, software architecture is the stuff which, yeah, which will actually stay in the company. So definitely makes sense to think about it, right? Not upfront, but continuously. And I think that's that's a very important point, uh, which every organization should reflect in the skills uh, it has right in in the organization and if it's not part of the organization you should develop it there's often quite some controversy uh, around the advantages of microservices versus a monolith could you maybe share your your insights and your thoughts around this uh, ongoing debate (laughs) yeah that that's a really interesting discussion um I honestly need to say uh, that I'm not a huge fan of microservices. And I also asked myself sometimes ago why. And actually the, the reason for it is two things, right? It's uh, applying microservice architecture to an, assist, to an existing organization, to an existing architecture is quite hard. Uh, so the, the, the chance or the risk that you will end up with a distributed monolith is actually quite high. Um, and unfortunately, I, I, I saw this twice. So that's really, really hard to implement. Um, this is something. And on the other side, um, it's just, let's say, another uh, dimension where you put complexity, right? So if you have smaller components, for sure, uh, it's easier to maintain. On the other side, uh, if, you do not, if you don't do it right, right, you have the complexity on, on the system level because all these systems need to somehow interact with each other. So it's always a question about where to put the complexity. Um, That's why I would say I'm not a big fan of microservice architectures. If I would have the chance uh, to build a system greenfield, I would probably go for it. Um, But the concept I like more is uh, the concept around self-contained system, right? So where you have 
uh, vertical cut. Um, it's also more in relation to event-driven design. Um, so I actually would go probably also for, for that approach. One, I suppose, uh, data point that we often pick up is there seems to be a strong preference among engineers to work in a microservices environment these days. Could you give us an understanding of why that might be the case? Why are engineers more drawn to microservices than monolith these, these days? Yeah, good question. Uh, we should probably we should probably ask them. <laughs> but just just uh, my thoughts on that. Um, I think what is what uh, what is quite important factor, and I also like this just to point this out. Um, microservice at the end, it's it's really a smaller service, right? So it's really easy to understand what's going on in a service in the microservice rather than understanding what's going on in the monolith with all its dependencies. Full stop. I think that's a huge advantage and it's easier for people to deal with that rather than, let's say, really large legacy systems. Um, on the other side, um, it's it also offers you uh, the chance to apply the right technology to the right pro to the to the problem right so one could think of let's say a more diverse technology stack where you say okay i go for for this specific service i go for golang while for the other one i go for php that's possible that actually was not possible uh with or actually is not possible with monolith um or monolithic environment um, so also, I think from that point of view, it's always a chance to learn something new. And I guess, especially software engineers, they're hungry for new stuff. So that's my explanation why, why mo most of the people uh, like mic microservice environments. Andre, when we think about what's gone on in 2020, it's been a year of uh, massive change and upheaval and unexpected events. Is there a particular approach to software architecture that is most well suited to a high change environment, to a volatile political and economic landscape? Um, what would be your, your thoughts around that? From my point of view, it's somehow disconnected, but I would say the thing which is closest to that in my mind is uh, the discussion around decentralization, right? Decentralization of architectures, doesn't matter if it's around microservice, what we discussed, self-contained systems or also serverless approach. Um, and the reason why is uh, they pushed, they pushed quite for time to market, um, scalability, uh, resilience and so on. So if you think that back then, everything was more or less provided by large systems which wouldn't be able to scale all the 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 the, the demand right um, nowadays it's more or less a fine-grained network of services which let's say helped us through uh, day by day right so um, i think with this old kind of architecture that actually wouldn't be possible right and uh, as you said especially during that crazy times, um, we're using these services more and more. So scalability is very, very important. Uh, and uh, I'm quite happy that um, that these concepts are, are in place, right, to serve actually the society. So Andre, the, the final question I have for you is, 
who should own architecture within a, a, a high functioning organization? Like should a technology department have a specific architecture team that's responsible for, for all architectural considerations? You know, what should it look like in the, uh, in the ideal world? <laughs> so I'm working for still uh, young and not that large uh, company. So my answer uh, on that would be, or my take on that would be definitely the team, right? Um, so in teams means uh, everything you need in place, uh, every, everything you need to have in place to build a certain product. Um, what I do like is uh, having expertise in-house, right? Um, so still like the idea of having a small architecture team or maybe a group of uh, software experts who, who work on that topic. Uh, just to make sure you do not underestimate this topic, right? And always keep in mind that software architecture is 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 done right because, as I said, people are leaving the company, software stays. Um, so having a group of people who support this uh, this function, I think that's that's very important. However, at the end, um, I'm I'm a big fan of uh, freedom and responsibility. So I would say. Um, responsibility should be um, should be taken by the team development team the product development team actually so andre it's been uh, great to speak with you about this topic today uh, i hope you've enjoyed joining us and that you have a good week ahead thanks it was a pleasure great so our podcast is produced as always by nick brennan with music from robert cooney i would just like to say thank you for joining us andre thanks too and uh, we'll catch you next time see you bye bye Thank you.